Podcast dedicated to reviewing Agents of Shield, Agent Carter, Marvel's Netflix shows, kind of the movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Dan Schmidt, your Excelsior host. And with me is one person who could do a mean impression of Peggy <laughs> Carter, and a guy who's got lots of wild theories. My <laughs> co-host. Hi guys, it's Nikki. Hey, it's Josh. Nikki, why don't you tell us? What's happening on this return episode, return to cover network television episode of the Marvelverse podcast? Today we're going to be discussing Marvel's Agent Carter, season two premiere episodes. Yes, there are two of them. And listener feedback. Yes, and with that we're going to go into a section that's backed by popular de- demand, and for sure. It's going to be back this time. Card News with Nico, Marvel edition about some... Exciting news about things to come from the Marvel Netflix series. Marvel's Most Wanted going to pilot ABC. It's official, Marvel's Most Wanted, a spinoff of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., focusing on Bobby Morris, played by Adriana Palicki, and Lance Hunter, played by Nick Ludd, is going to pilot at ABC. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. producer Jeff Bell and Paul Savuski co-created the project for Marvel and ABC Studios and co-wrote the pilot. They will also be showrunners and executive producers. Marvel's head of television, Jeff Loeb, will also executive produce. ABC initially decided not to move forward on the series in May of 2015, but seems to have reconsidered this season for the 2016 season. Also, remember that Marvel's Agent Carter season two premieres on January 21st. So check that out as well. And that's the news with Nico for this week. Okay. With that, we're uh, going to get back to talking about the show that I think people have been excited for to come back. Cause they've wanted to see Marvel's version of Wonder Woman appear on the screen. And that's Marvel's Agent Carter. So let's talk about its two hour premiere episode, which featured two episodes, the lady of the lake and a view in the dark. In the season premiere episode, The Lady in the Lake, Peggy moves to the City of Angels to help Chief Daniel Souza at the West Coast Strategic Scientific Reserve investigate a bizarre homicide involving a killer and isodyne energy and reunites with some familiar faces. In part two of You in the Dark, Peggy discovers her murder investigation has huge ramifications that can destroy her career as well as everyone near and dear to her. Yes, let's get into talking about these great episodes. Yes. First of all, L.A. She <laughs> moved to L.A. Yeah, Hollywood that has got to be a yeah. It's got to be a big climate difference for her. As he said, it's the dry heat. 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm from LA, and I can tell you that sometimes it quits quite humid. It can. Yeah. yeah. It really can. <laughs> right now, it's overcast and slightly rainy. Oh, welcome to my world. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, right off the bat, I got to say, Peggy came back with a vengeance of this episode. Yes. I mean, they yes. threw us right into the action. Mm-hmm. With her kicking some naughty butt. Which is awesome. Yeah. Right, you gotta love Peggy with the shotgun. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I'm gonna have to give credit to Dottie on this one because if you think about it, and I wrote about this as well, it's been almost a year since she escaped with a bad wound after falling, you know, a couple stories out of a window onto a plane. She not only escaped, she evaded capture. But in a post-war world America, she managed to gather a bunch of henchmen and become basically their leader, or at least we think so, and managed to make, uh, I guess, a name for herself and still evade capture up until this moment and seemed to be doing okay. She seemed to be doing okay. I, you have to admit, that's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, she's, she's, she's fat crap crazy. And oh, yeah. It works for her. It really does. And I, I love how, you know, all those, that kind of hint that we got that she was going to steal Peggy's identity, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of came to fruition because she started dressing and she's like, oh, you changed your hair. It's like, crap. Now I have to, it was like, oh, now I have to change my hair. But I still, I still have to say, I think Clark looked better in the red hat. Yeah. Yeah. And the dub smash wars. I, I think he looked better in the red hat than Dottie did. But it was nice that Peggy got to say nice hat. But I thought Dottie was deliciously crazy. She and is. She is. Um, <clears throat> she is to Peggy Carter as Harley Quinn is to Joker. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not. Harley Quinn and Joker work together. Yeah, but Harley Quinn was in love with him, and you know, trying to mimic his style and stuff long, long before he actually she, let her. She loves him, Mister J. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody put on Twitter, it's like single, hashtag single white female. I was like, yeah, if you've ever seen that movie, yeah, this is very single white female-y. Huh. Which is scary. But she I, did a good job. Bridget Reagan is uh, awesome at that. Going awesome. back and forth between devious, deceptive, and devilish to, you know, innocent. And w- w- where's my Peggy? Yeah, where's Peggy? You know? <laughs> yeah. Jack is oh like trying gosh, to talk to her. She's like. Where's Peggy? She's <laughs> like, I have no interest in what anything you have to say, dude. You're a douchebag. You need to shave. And uh, where's Peggy? Where's the person I respect? It's like a slap in the face to Jack, which is like, oh, God, any kind of progress Peggy's made with that douchebag is like Gone. going up by the wayside because he's like, he's not as good. As he's Peggy. being influenced, though. Yeah. As we see later on. And I, yeah. I'm I'm not looking forward to that because I think they're going to make him like either an accomplice to the bad guys or a pawn of the bad guys. I agree. You know? I, think he's gonna be a, I got pawn because I don't think he knows anything that's really going on because he kind of doesn't believe in all this stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, great, they're going to make him like the patsy in a way. Yeah, yeah they and are. I think that character's stronger. I like how Peggy finally, for once, like was like in his face in this episode. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't fix this thing with Donnie. You can't interrogate her. You don't know how to do it. I can do it. Kenny even says, you know, we can function without you. No, you can't. 
You're really like, yeah, don't say that term, but I really like that because there was the biggest complaint about the show early on last season was that Peggy was not as tough as people thought she was in the Captain America movie. That these guys were pigeonholing her, putting her down, got all this stuff, and it was nice to see Peggy back to like just tell them what she thinks. Right. Yeah. And I think she had to play it cool at the beginning of the SSR and of our sh- of our show because she was still vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she had the mental and emotional fortitude at the time after losing Steve to to really fight back. And I think she got that back. I think thanks to Howard and thanks to Jarvis, but mostly because of she got back into the game. Yeah, not just that, but look what happened at the very end of last season with the Chief. You know, he's, yeah. he apologized. He basically said, this is, you know, you did this you know, this great stuff. And even, even, uh, Sousa, Sousa, however you want to say it, he, 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 he knew it was all her. So Mm. she, she was able to gain the confidence from that. And the rest of the guys knew that it was all her too. Mm. So, you you know, here it is almost a year later. And, um, so she's been working with people who trust her, who are letting her lead finally. And she's getting back the military, mindset that she had when she was in charge and she's moving on and i think that confidence is you know we're finally able to see that and she's finally able to show it because she has all this support and has had it for Mm -hmm. a while now yeah but like she said it's like the great iconic line that that we now associate with peggy she knows her value yeah right yeah it's serving the show well it is this season is it's gonna really kick some butt. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stepped it up with season two. Mm-hmm. I think Agent Carter did the same thing with this episode. Because I think with the rest of the season. I have to agree as, with that. And also the fact that I, I have to admit that I was a little worried about when she was moving to L.A. That, oh, are we going to have to start over with, you know, gaining people's trust and all that kind of stuff? Because this is just going to get cloying and pathetic. But no, because, not only because of Daniel being in charge, but she came in with attitude. She came in with this confidence. But with Daniel in charge, he knew he could trust her. And I like the fact that we don't have to start all over with building trust. Right. And She's that just, she can have she can keep her confidence. She doesn't have to like start the wheel again. You know, I was really happy that her transition to LA was as smooth. Just like you said, I thought, and that is she, I was worried. I was like, I don't know. How does Peggy Carter fit in Los Angeles? She fit beautifully into Los Angeles and her wardrobe even changed. And like she adapted, but I think the city is also adapting to her, but it will. It will. will. Yeah. And I loved that the transition was as smooth. And I think having Jarvis there helped. And I think Mm -hmm. definitely introducing Anna Helped oh, and right. oh. Anna's <laughs> fun. We love Anna. Yeah, we finally got to see <clears throat> Mrs. Jarvis. Yep, she is awesome, and we are now following her on Twitter. Um, yeah, <laughs> we should. We we yeah. do. <laughs> you know, I, as a big fan of this era of uh, architecture and fashion, I just seeing Hollywood and L.A. in this in its really its glory days was yeah. I thought 
it, they did a, such a beautiful job. And yeah, sometimes you could kind of tell it's on lots, studio lots and all that. But that's really the only place left. There's a few places in LA you can go where it looks the same. But I was just like, God, I love that. It's like watching a postcard of yeah. LA. It's almost like a love letter to the era. And I just, I just thought they did a beautiful job. I love, there are some people who are confused. Why does the site say Hollywood land? I was like, oh, dear God. It's because uh, Neville Sinclair didn't fly into it with a jetpack and pull up the letters if you see the Rocketeer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that movie. I like that movie. I love, I, I, love um, Joe I just got a piece of art for the Rocketeer for Christmas, actually. Awesome. Nice. I love the Rocketeer. Um, no. Yeah, it's, I was like, no, it was Hollywood Land, and then the Earth, and then there was, oh, never mind. <laughs> The letters fell out. It would be funny. The letters fell out. <laughs> if, if, like, it has something to do with an Agent Carter episode. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Jarvis chasing the flamingo. Uh, Bernard, Bernard? Yes. Bernard, the fl- Bernard Stock, the flamingo. I have a feeling this is a precursor to t- how he's going to be with Tony. Really, as, like, as a toddler? Yeah. <laughs> Constantly chasing yeah. me around. Now, anybody else think, oh, we're going to L.A.? West Coast Avengers. Yeah. yeah. Because we know that the New York branch eventually turns, you know, it goes uh, global and it becomes popular and public and they build the Triscalian, Triscalian. So where does the West Coast branch go? Well, you know, there's does always Does it different... become the branch that we, that will be used? Like, will they use it for Marvel's Most Wanted? Because Most Wanted is a working title. I don't know if Most Wanted is a working title or yeah, or if it's just a not just a working title but a um what is it called? A front and yeah. that when they reveal it it'll be Marvel's West Coast Avengers or West Coast or something like that. It's possible, but you know, Shield had off like the FBI Shield has offices all over, field offices. So I think they have to there's if it is part going to be part of Most Wanted, that they have to establish that yeah, their Shield offices Everywhere, and yeah, I just know, I just know that in Marvel they don't do anything by mistake. Nope. No. Well, they I didn't. Really don't. They killed Coulson. That was a mistake. It wasn't really a mistake. Don't don't. If go you there think about it, it was it. Well, yeah, it was a mistake. If if they kept him dead, that would have been a mistake. But you know, in the long run, it turned out to be a really good idea to introduce a you know a different kind of storyline to pursue in season one so but in any yes. case agent carter in la makes me think west coast avengers and i love that rose is back yes i did i was like oh my god i love her and that she's kind of now more part of the team yes and from the yeah. footage we see for the next for the rest of the season she looks like she's more involved, so I was so excited because I love her. Yeah, I like that she has more of a part because she plays well as the sounding board for both yeah. of them, for everybody. And I love her as the keeper of the <laughs> the, yeah. the the keeper of the door of the yeah. SSRs. Like these, all these talent people are. She's like, no, you're not what we're looking for. Yeah, you know, it would be very interesting if we find out that her mother or maybe her grandmother was a door person for the SSR before, but was shot in Captain America. Oh, yeah. That'd be interesting. 
like it runs in the family. That'd be kind of cool to have those little eyes. But all right, so she's now in LA, and she her first thing she has to deal with basically a poor version of Iceman. Um, <laughs> but we find out that it's not a superpower. It's a virus, right? What was it? Her name was Jane. What was it? Jane. What was the girl's name that died? Oh, Jane. It was a nondescript name. Jane Scott. Jane Scott. Jane Scott, there you go. Sorry, I'm looking at my article I wrote, so help me with my notes. There you go. Yeah, so she ends up dead and glowing. Well, at first I have to say that I thought, ooh, does she have a device inside of her, and this is what brings Howard Stark to, to the forefront to take a look at the front? But no. No, it has to be a like a thermonuclear almost kind of thing. Yeah, exposure to the particle generator. Yeah, yeah. And then we get to meet one of our baddies. What are we skipping around? What's the next thing we're talking about? Jarvis. Yeah, we had Jarvis and Peggy's relationship. Okay, so let's do Jarvis. All right. Which is now so much more fun. <laughs> and every now and then I keep thinking that Jarvis has the hot for Peggy, the way he does certain things. But it's all commonplace to him, and he turns around, and you can tell he absolutely adores his wife, and I yes. love it. He's actually affectionate with her. Because I don't see where he makes out with her. Yeah. Of Peggy. Yeah. Like, that was yeah. hilarious. Well, that, 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 was Anna, that was Anna kind of trying to embarrass him. Yeah. Because she knows how reserved he is and how that's just not proper. Yeah. My <laughs> wife at first was like, oh, she's, she's trying to show Peggy, no, this one's mine. No. But then when she starts laughing and she's like, he's so easy to, you know, <laughs> like that. My wife's like, ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I thought, I thought that too. And I was like, no, this is a woman who's really confident in the fact that her husband adores her. Look at what he did for her within just weeks of meeting her. Like she said, you know, he's yeah. forging documents. He was doing all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I, I think, I think she's pretty secure in the fact that this is her man. And she, he, He's not straying. I think she appreciates his level of respect for Peggy. And yep. plus, it kind of gives him something to do besides chase flamingos. Yeah. Go work out in the backyard. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Part onesie. I think that's like the hardest that Haley has ever made me laugh. Go play an Agent Carter when she would go off. Go to the backyard is like, she, she just goes, good Lord, man. Because <laughs> hilarious. Well, according and to the showrunners uh, who were tweeting last night, apparently Haley had a really hard time keeping a straight face. Lots of, lots of takes of her cracking up watching uh, James Darcy in that onesie. God, I can't oh, yeah. imagine her reaction when he got on top of her. Oh, God. <laughs> I want to see outtakes. I want to see outtakes now. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun to see. You could tell that they have a lot of fun because I remember when they were filming she posted that video of her running and jumping straight into the pool fully clothed. Yeah. You know, so you know they have fun during that show. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. But that, that onesie was hilarious. Yeah. Got this spy car, too, Howard's car. <laughs> That's not a spy car. That's a womanizer car. That's yeah. the equivalent of Quagmire's house on the Family Guy. It's true. Or uh, if you're a fan of Rock Hudson films like indoor stay films like I am, uh, Rock Hudson's apartment and pillow talk. 
Yes. Where everything is meant to be within arm's reach to make seduction easy. I love when Peggy accidentally made the seat go back. There's a mirror up here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good Lord. Is that a mirror up there? And I just lost it. That was awesome. (laughs) Just when I think how it can't get more ridiculous. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then the, then she finds the mirror. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That was, that was a genius. And it was so well played. Haley is just, she's just everything. She's just... Oh, and let's talk about the fact of, oh, well, I guess we can now. I don't know. But I love when she switched to an American accent. Oh, yeah. They, you know? I was like, I, I watched... that. you're perfect the way you are. Don't try to be an American. We suck. <laughs> I watch the show with captions on because I don't want to miss anything that they say, whether it's whispered or the whatever. And it actually says American accent, and then it says her words. And I thought, that, first of all, that's hilarious that it has to tell me that. <laughs> um, but she did a really good job, and I was trying so hard to listen to see if she's going to flub up, but no. no. I was like, wow, that's really good. She is that good. She, she speaks better than I do. Yeah, I think a lot of people who can do an American accent from other countries speak English better than me, too. <laughs> I loved it, and I was like, oh, God, please go back to British. It's You do it so, you do American really, really well, but to me, Peggy is British. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, please, please, uh, please, ma'am, can I have some more? Yeah. Can I have some more British accent, please? She could just read me <laughs> the phone book, get a British accent, and I could basically just melt, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when you talk to her in person, it's even better. I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know. I well, I handled it for you. Don't worry. Okay, okay. <laughs> she was she was lovely, and I'm she sure. she complimented my accent. So, oh, you did the accent for her? Yes, I did. Wanted I'll... to hear it. She's like, that's really good. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> Not as good as yours. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had been able to speak more with uh, Chloe and Elizabeth uh, and Anne when I met them, but I didn't get to. So, very lucky that you got to do that. Yeah. yeah I'm jealous oh. you got to talk to Anne and Chloe. Yeah, I got those selfies with them. That was fun. Yeah. What's next? Let's talk more. Uh, this is fun. Chloe, we have the, the SSR East and West, and what I'm saying because that's a sinking ship, and that's good. we're going to get S.H.I.E.L.D. out of where the ship sinks. Yeah. That's well. We we know that Shield is born of the SSR and Peggy Carter. You know, I watched the um the one shot again, and at the end where Howard says she's going to come help me run Shield, the fact that the 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 guy the boss knew what Shield was means that it was already established, or at least it was in talks to be established. Right. So people knew about it already, and that Howard Stark was in charge of it. Since we haven't seen that yet, I'm hoping that we do see something similar this uh, this season, or at least the start of it. I'm hoping that we get to see maybe a, a look at Zodiac as a possible future enemy for season three. Oh, that's yeah, that's my hope. Because I really, I really believe that there is a link between Zodiac and Doctor Strange and Infinity Gems. But I want them to pursue that. I want to see if I'm right. 
So that's that's what I'm hoping for. But the fact that Howard Stark is the one who will help start S.H.I.E.L.D. and the fact that it becomes known among the SSR that S.H.I.E.L.D. is taking over from SSR, then I think you're right. I think we're going to see the downfall of the SSR but the rise of S.H.I.E.L.D. However, knowing that S.H.I.E.L.D. was infiltrated since almost the beginning by HYDRA, I have a feeling that this dude who is manipulating what's his bucket? Jack. Jack. That it's shield. That I mean it's uh, Hydra. That he's he's you FBI know. but he's really Hydra. Well yeah. there, there's also the theory to go I know this is jumping ahead to another point we had, but the whole thing with the secret society. They yeah. actually did a recap of the story in the comic books, got the Captain America special that aired just before Agent Carter. Cause they had basically infiltrated every part of the government mm-hmm. by that point within that story. And so my question is, this FBI that could be the real FBI, could not be the real FBI, that read from that 70s show, Kurt yeah. Smith is running, that he's a part of the secret society. Cause that's why S.H.I.E.L.D. is separate from the government and becomes its own thing, because they figure out about the secret society and they don't want to get infiltrated again. Well, at least they don't think they're going to get infiltrated again. No, I, I think that Hydra might actually have some say in creating S.H.I.E.L.D. And the reason they're separated from the government is not to get away from the other, you know, from Hydra. Unless they want to give the illusion that they're trying to give away, get away from Hydra. But it's because they, that way they have less government uh, oversight. They can do as they wish. They have more freedom to do as they wish without having to answer to much of anybody. So that's why I think that they're trying to create a front that will allow them more freedom. It'll be very interesting. We'll see. I don't know. Did they just say that the secret society, Gorsi, is Hydra? Because that's the group that we've been hearing about through that's existed through the centuries. Cut Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that Powers Booth character is a part of? Cut all of that? Is he one of those people? I think so. I think he's part of that society, yes. I don't think he's in that council yet. I don't think he's, you know, even born yet. Not yet. I mean, probably one of those is his daddy. By the way, the guy who did the speaking in that secret society, the one who did most of the talking? Yeah. yeah. Anybody else recognize him as Bernadette's dad? Dad on the Big Bang Theory? Yep. Yep, and yeah. many, many other things. He was also a regular on the Brett Butler show, that yeah. she, a sitcom she had. And I just I was like freaking out when they showed the two of them sitting together. I was like, ah, he killed Laura Palmer! Because <laughs> yeah. there was Ray Wise. What did he like, pop up? Could the Avengers, though? Was it Ray Wise in, that, in the Avengers? Not that I recall. Usually okay. I noticed him right away, because yeah, it's my favorite show ever. He popped up in another Marvel movie. Let's find out. What's his name? Ray Wise? Yeah. Ray Wise, yeah. W-I-S-E. Yes. Let's see here. Mr. Palmer. He was in Reaper, and he was in... He was, which is awesome. He was in Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks Firewalks. Firewalks. I don't see see him as being in... Okay. I'm double-checking his IMDb right now, but it doesn't give it as a list of recent shows or movies. Okay. So, I know what he was in. He was in X-Men First Class. Yes. That's where I'm thinking. Yes. Okay. Oh, I wonder if that's a tie-in. 
No, because no. we can't. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Nice. Exceptions first class, not Avengers. But speaking of that society, as soon as they showed that little pin that Dottie was trying to steal mm-hmm. is from the secret society. Yes. And from Hydra. And then Agent Carter finds an, finds another one. And then the symbol is above the door of the club that Chadwick goes into. Mm-hmm. Where the meeting is. And I actually paused the TV and you know took a shot of that picture. I took a picture of that um, on my phone just so I can use it in my article. But yeah. Yeah, and I even flipped it upside down, and sure enough, that's the same symbol that Fitz and Simmons found. Is it really? Yeah, it's it's one of the it's one of the variations of the Hydra symbol down through the ages that they found in those books. Okay. Yeah. So there's a link there. Well, it's not a secret anymore then. My question here: I'm wondering if Dottie is working for. I keep thinking she is a precursor to Black Widow, working for the Russian government. Yeah, that she, yeah the Russian government is just as against Hydra because the American government is. So they sent her to investigate the Russian government because she and Peggy got at odds because they didn't realize that they were on the, kind of on the same side. That's interesting. That's an interesting thought. Especially since there's a chance that she might become Viper. Right. There's, there's a chance. But speaking of blondes being evil, Whitney Frost... Uh-huh. Who is going to be known as Madame Mask? Yes. Yep. Oh, that's, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I did some research on her. Uh, Whitney Frost is not even her real name. Her real name is Guletta Nefaria, the true daughter of Count Nefaria, who is a ruling member of the Magi. Mm-hmm. And the Magi are a not even they're not even um evil organization. It's just a gathering, uh, a council of prominent gang families, you know, business families, people who have dabbled in not only good businesses, but not so good businesses. And one of the members, um, one of the the families are the Silvermane family. One of the heads is Silvio Silvermane Manfredi. We know that name because it was mentioned, and we think, I think we even saw him in the Daredevil show. Yeah. So we now have a link to Daredevil through Agent Carter. Was it Wilson Fisk got odds with them? Th- yeah, he was. Storyline or something? Yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah, a lot he, of, yeah. But now we know that it is all connected. The Magi families represented in Agent Carter and part of Hydra. It has members in Hydra. Madame Mask is um, daughter of a Magi family head. And... That all links to Daredevil. Go on, and again, Madam Mask is an Iron Man. Yep. So is this a Glover of Howard that's come back to haunt him? Oh, yeah. well, I'm not going to say without a doubt, but it would make sense. Yes, because that would involve him in the story. It would. That would help bring him back in more, despite the fact he's going to be in another show. That he's Preacher. I, I w- yeah, he's Preacher, and I wonder how much of a role he'll have, especially considering this. I mean, he should be okay because this, this show is being filmed. It films pretty quickly because it doesn't air for very long. So it should fit in with his schedule, hopefully. Well, I think, he, I, 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 think like it, I think it's a condition of him doing Preacher was that he have time to do Agent Carter when they needed him. Yeah, I hope so. Because he really loves being Howard Stark, as mu- right. almost as much as Robert 
loves being Tony Stark. And we all yeah. know how much he loves that. Oh, yeah. Um, which is fantastic because it makes his portrayal of Tony Stark even, even better than could possibly imagine. But right. yeah, I, you know, I love that Howard is going to be on the, on the show because we saw footage, but I really am glad it's a, more limited because Peggy doesn't need a man to drive her story. No, and she I, doesn't. She's doing a really good need, job. You need it. Maybe in the first season you needed that connection, but now it's like, and now Howard's going to own a movie studio. Does anybody else think that was an excuse to, to just take young starlets to bed? <laughs> yeah, well, he did say he's a scout. You know, he has yeah. a very talented scout. Yes. Um, How long he'll, she'll let him scout her location. You know what? He's starting a, a movie industry. Uh, okay. There's no hint of that existing in Tony's time. So we also know from comic books that... The, when Avengers West Coast take over a compound, what if Howard Stark's studios, studio lot is what is beco- what becomes the West Coast Avengers compound? Makes sense, because his house in New York, Tony's house in New York, becomes Avengers Mansion. Corey just goes boom in a fight between Peggy and Adam Mask. <laughs> there you go. Goes up the whole studio. Well, it probably does go into some kind of disrepair, because isn't that... One of the, one of the old uh, shield buildings that Ant Man infiltrates and and has become a, a Avengers training camp on the West Coast isn't that the same? Because no. remember they said in in Ant Man they it's on the West Coast and that's San Francisco yeah yeah and they mentioned the, well yeah that's San Francisco not uh, L A but they did mention the fact that it was an old no longer used shield storage unit storage area. But now it's the Avengers training area in the San Francisco area. So there's there's that hint right there, too. Everything is connected. Love it. I love all the connections. I really, really do. I kept sitting there the whole time, Joshua, and figuring out how, how your Submariner theory and connection would work. Because, like, when the lake was frozen and stuff, I'm like, okay, how is this going to be kind of Atlantean thing? We got the thing, and there's the, the river where the body was found run off into the ocean, get all this stuff. Yeah, but the uh, the fact that they feel that Leviathan, you know, I, a lot of people think that Leviathan is now dead because they captured that psychiatrist who can hypnotize. And the fact is, is like they never really explained that, that are you saying Leviathan, this big, huge, evil organization that everyone was scared of is coming, is one dude and Dottie, that was it? Are they? Are we going to get back into it? Are there? Is there more? Was this just a setback for Leviathan? You know, and I really think that they have the potential that if they continue Leviathan, it could very well be a link to Namor the Submariner. I really do. I think it would be great to be able to bring him in, especially since his rights. I think either reverted back to Marvel or are co-owned with Marvel and Universal. Because for a while there, the Hulk was co-owned with Universal as well. But now it's back. So it'll be interesting. That's a different theory that I hope that they mention later on in the show. So we'll see. As of right now, though, we're now concentrating apparently on Isodyne Energy, Chadwick, and Madame Mask, and something that fans are calling Dark Force Energy, which does exist in the comics. 
But now let me ask this question. Right. And this is what I thought at the beginning, at the end of the first episode. The the zero matter looked like black goo, which is yeah. similar to what the monolith could turn into. Yes, it also looked similar to... Okay, the first time I saw it, when he showed the video, when Wilkes... By the way, Dr. Wilkes, pretty cool guy. Yeah. You have to yeah. admit, pretty cool guy. At first, I thought he was enemy. He was an enemy. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, no, he's just a scientist. He's just stuck in the middle. When they showed the video of the nuclear test, and then it blew a hole in space. And that hole in space reversed a gravity for a second or canceled gravity for a moment and then sucked everything in and then imploded, leaving behind black goo. My first thought was, and again, I go back to this and I know I feel like I'm running it into the ground. Is that black goo an escaped symbiont? Was this, is that, is that dark force energy like living dark force energy or is dark force energy going to explain like, because it's a black goo, and because uh, towards the end we see Madame Mask has a little line of it on her, is this a symbiont? Is this an escaped, yeah. weakened symbiont? And this is how they introduce them. Because we may need to know more about the symbionts later on, now that we have Spider-Man in the, in the universe. Well, it's interesting they're using the TV shows to introduce Spider-Man mythology and information. Why not? They did the same thing with Inhumans. Why not use the TV? I think it's yeah. a great idea. I think it's going to get people excited because there is a very big Spider-Man audience. Because some people are like, oh yeah, cool. Because people love Venom. Plus, look at the backstory of the symbiont. How are you going to explain that in one movie? Just like exactly. Inhumans. You need to be able to build them up and give such a good backstory that by the time the movie happens and they bring in the Inhuman Royal Family or this or Venom, that you as a fan know and you're like, oh, that's awesome, right? Right. And if they just, otherwise, if they don't do that, if they try to do the introductions in the movie, everyone's going to come away saying, well, that felt rushed. Right. And the other thing is, a lot of people say, go wide. I don't need to watch Agent Carter. It doesn't really connect to anything because it's in the past. This what they're doing this season makes me feel like it's more of a bridge between the two halves of the season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Giving us that backstory we don't know. So that there's a reason to watch it because we're not feeling like it's a Kaidas filler show. There's a point to it because it gives us information that we will need to know when we come back because the spring to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it may not even be just for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, I agree. They are, these people... If they're working together as we fans hope that they are, they are planning and plotting these storylines years ahead of time. So, like they do with comics. Right. And it's amazing what they can do that if they bring in a certain character or mention a certain object or a certain event in Agent Carter, we may not see the results of that or how that fits in until a movie a couple years from now. Or we might see it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the second half. We might not see it until next season. We don't know. All we know is that we need to take a lot of notes. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we're comic book fans. We love doing that stuff. Exactly. And this kind of stuff, that's why it does so well. It's because they play on... It really is comic books come to life. It really is. 
with backstories and storylines that may not get touched on except for every now and then. Like, all right, let's take the X-Files. We know that it's about unexplained events and things like that, but there was an overla- uh, uh, underlying story arc going on about aliens and the, how the truth is out there. And every now and then they would do an episode to further that one little story arc. Mm-hmm. But then they would go back to doing different things and what you know what a lot of fans would call filler content until well, they we got called to the them, good stuff. We called them monster of the week, and right. but we still enjoy them because those are some of the best episodes. And speaking as an X file, P H I L E, for from day one, the other sh- kinds of shows we called the mythology episodes because they dealt with the mythology behind the show, which was the origin of the X files as a division and uh, Mulder and his history with this organization, and then eventually Scully's. Right. So now we need to think of what is the mythology of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. We know that they're leading up to the Infinity War, but there's more to it than that. They have movies planned for after that. So what what is the underlying mythology for Agent of the Shield, Agent Carter, the Netflix shows and the movies, what is playing out? And since it can be so diverse and we may not see it right away, I, I think they're doing a fantastic job in keeping us hooked in and mm-hmm. dropping little hints and suggestions and you know, we call them Easter eggs, but really they're just they're just um foreshadowing. Plot. Yeah, they're foreshadowing. Uh, plot foreshadows. And I love it. They're progressing the plot. And that's mm-hmm. a necessary thing that some shows just don't seem to understand. My Speaking of foreshadowing, did anybody else catch uh, Madame Mask saying how she knew how deadly that zero, what they called zero matter was? Yeah. Right. She knows from experience. So what's well, up? Well, she didn't say that? experience. No, but she but she, she understood. She's completely aware. Completely aware. Yeah. If her dad is Count Nefaria, and it, okay, Count Nefaria, when he, he when he sent his daughter off to be adopted by the Frost family in America, it's not like he sent her to some random rich family. The Frost family, according to the comics, the the dad he was a also a member of the Magi, but also linked to Hydra. Is this the same Frost family? Because I'm a Frost? That's very possible. I haven't seen... I didn't see that no, connection. No, uh, it's, it's, it's not. It's not. Are you sure? You're I'm, the expert. I'm a huge Emma Frost fan, and I could be wrong about this, but it's it's never come up. There's There's been no link between the two. Ah, uh, well, in any case... They, well, see, they're also changing the timeline, because Madame Mask was supposed to be a lover of Iron Man, but Iron Man doesn't, isn't even born yet, so now it's a different generation. They've, right. they've altered the time. So it's possible. I mean, she is blonde and an actress and all about her image. So are, are, it, we, are we saying that the Emma Frost is all about her image? Well, the most she all of- brilliant of brilliant Emma Frost. Well, we're saying really Whitney Frost is. Yeah, okay. Madam Mask. Can well, you yeah, get she- it, Jezra, are you yeah. going to get the point where you say maybe she's using it to stay young and beautiful? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. That could be how it links to Tony. That's very Clayface-like. If you want to go into the Batman world. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see how she becomes Madame Mask. Mm -hmm. Will she wear a mask to cover the scar that she has, the black one? Or will she be able to alter the Dark Force energy in order to make herself stay young and beautiful and look good? They did a story at the end of Iron Man CGI animated series. Uh-huh. If you happen to see that where Tony Stark was a kid, where no. she, she could shapeshift. Interesting, because that's not her powers in the comics. Yeah. With the, mask, the mask had the ability where she could change her appearance, and that was based in science. But I'm wondering if the dark matter will allow her to change her appearance. The dark force probably could. The other thing is, in the comics, Madame Mask... Her, she actually has powers, but it's based on magic, manipulation of um, physics of, of reality. So with a link to Doctor Strange, could it be that she uses the Dark Force to not only keep herself looking young, but it allows her to manipulate maybe space with uh, physics? Mm-hmm. And that, so it looks like magic? That, yeah, they explained to Thor that, that all magic is technically science. Mm-hmm. So that works perfect. Which is what the cart, the animated movie of Doctor Strange talked about, how magic is just um, mental manipulation of right. the physics of reality. And you just have to be really good at it. So when you come, when you come in contact with Dark Force, which is extra-dimensional, Will that allow her to understand how to manipulate the physics of her reality, like her her image and stuff like that? That's interesting, man. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. 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 Now, um, are we? Can we speak about the dark force energy now? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, okay. I thought we already were. Yeah. <laughs> now, we were, but now I we, know you've been now, chopping. Oh my gosh! Yes. So, as I mentioned before we started recording, Dark Force energy, as we have seen, if you come in contact with it, has a tendency to sap your energy, which causes you to freeze because it's taking all of your heat, all of your energy. And that's probably what froze the lake and killed the, killed the woman and all that kind of stuff, but also killed that, that detective because he got, he got uh, infected with it, maybe like a little drop of it or whatever. In the comic books, there is a hint to that because most of the Dark Force energy characters, they either blast things with Dark Force or they suck energy in or they can almost teleport or cause a blackout, things like that. There's a character who was a member of the Great Lakes Avengers. His name was um, Doorman, which was a stupid comic book name. His real name was Damar Davis. And he doesn't really know where he got his powers, but apparently he he doesn't even wear, wear a costume. He is a body of dark force energy. And when he stood next to solid objects like a wall or a door and somebody walks through him, they were able to walk through him and come out the other side of the door to the wall. However, in one um, issue, he, they were all talking and somebody bumped into one of his teammates, Mr. Immortal, and Mr. Immortal fell into Doorman because he's constantly a portal, always a portal. 
And he, no one had ever done that when he wasn't standing next to something. And Mr. Immortal didn't come out the other side. He just disappeared inside the body of Doorman. So Dinah, one of the other teammates who can fly, she flew into Doorman. And everyone's just going, what the heck? And all of a sudden, she flies out carrying Mr. Mortal, who is freezing cold, like his life energy is being sucked out of him. And that was the first time that they realized that he's not just a teleportation device. He might be a conduit to somewhere else. And they find out that he is made out of dark force energy, which, according to his biography, he is able to teleport to the dark force dimension. People and items can pass through him. His portal is constantly open. And he's even able to reach inside of himself. He can't be physically harmed. And somehow he has enhanced cosmic knowledge, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But you, the next question is, where is this dark force energy coming from? And I have to admit, I had a really crazy theory last night, but then again, I finished writing this at 2 o'clock in the morning. So bear with me on this one. When the portal opened during the nuclear test, we were told it was an uh, atom bomb test that ripped a hole in space. Right. What if it wasn't an, uh, an accident? What if it wasn't an atom bomb test? What if it was Hydra testing one of the monolith uh, blocks they cut out of the monolith. What if that portal was a rip, and it was a rip, not a a hole, like we've seen in Agents of the Shield, because of how they did it. And so it it opened the portal wrong. What if the portal is to that other planet? What if the goo, what if the dark force energy is not originating from another dimension? What if that planet is from another dimension? What if, and this is just a lot of what ifs, I want to see if I can read it. Is it possible that the planet Simmons found herself on is the home world dimension of the dark force energy? Or, you know, you know, you're thinking, oh no, that home planet of the energy, that's where there was no energy when Simmons was there. What, you know, what happened to all the energy? What if the uh, Dark Force energy is actually the power emanating from one of the first Inhumans? Someone who was so powerful and scary that the rest of the world sent him or it through a portal in space and time into another dimension? What if the nuclear test ripped a hole in space at the same frequency as the monolith, or if it was the monolith being tested by Hydra? What if Dark Force energy is a byproduct or the, the energy of that Inhuman that was sent to the other dimension? which now is in possession of a dead Grant Ward. Remember they, said, remember they said he was so powerful, they were scared of him. And right now, body possession is not really all that scary. Just kill the body in a, in a room that he can't touch anything, and you're good. You're, go- you're good to go. So what is it that made him so powerful that other Inhumans were scared of him because he wanted to take over the world with it? What if he is the uh, uh, ultimate source and the originator of dark force energy. That's possible. Because mm-hmm. I could see that the test being they were trying to use nuclear energy as a way to maybe open up the portal. That's, that, you know, that's a good, very good possibility. And some of it escaped. Like, not, not so much him, but what if he tried to get through and a piece of him 
did it. Yeah. And because you know he killed all the those inhabitants over there over time. How did he do it? Well, if he's dark force energy, that means he thrives on the energy of living beings or other things. So could they essentially say could maybe the symbiotes are pieces of him? For him, symbionts are people, but he is a symbiont. Yeah. That would be interesting. Living dark force energy. That is that would be very interesting if he is the ancient inhuman and he is living dark force energy, but he requires now a host to live in, having lost his original form or whatever, and so he becomes the symbiont. Ooh, it's all connected. <laughs> cool, that makes Venom so much more complex and interesting of a character than he already was. Because I think that's what you need after the disaster that happened in Spider-Man 3. Well, not, not only that, but think about this. In Age, uh, Age of the Shield, we now know that this ancient inhuman is in possession of a dead Grant Ward. But they have not yet explained why he was exiled. Yeah. What makes him so powerful and scary that they exiled him? Like I said, possessing the body of a dead person or even a live person isn't all... I mean, it's scary. It's zombie-esque. But... It doesn't show why it would be so scary that they exiled him. Why was it so powerful that he thought he could take over the world? Unless it is a different kind of power and a different kind of possession, and it's the origin of dark force energy. And that they're using Agent Carter to explain this so that the second season of Age of the Shield, when we learn more about Grant Ward, we now have a back history of what this dude can do. Yeah. Just, it's just a thought. I know that they've already used Dark Force energy in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with a certain character. Um, technically, they, if you think about it, there's a chance that they may have done two references to Dark Force energy in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. One of them was in the first season. I don't know if you remember the Graviton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I originally thought it was, too. Yeah, that's what I, I posted last night when I was watching. I was like, hey, it looks like Gravitonium. Yeah. So what if Gravitonium is further uh, um, experimentation of dark force energy? Yeah. It's possible. You know? We don't know everything and, it can do. No. We, well, we do know that at one point in time it canceled gravity in an area around itself mm-hmm. before sucking everything in. So experiment with that, and you develop gravitonium, which cancels out gravity. Mm-hmm. And we know that it has a tendency to, it can be absorbed by people, as we see with um, Madame Mask. And if my theory is right, we see with Grant Ward. So we do know that gravitonium could possibly be, in fact, and alter the state of the guy who fell into it, and become, he can, becomes a villain known as Graviton. So it could all very well be connected. This would be really, really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's going to take some time for it all to come together. But it is going to be pretty awesome. Good. To kind of get off that track and go back to the world of, of Peggy Carter and the evolution of her character. Right. I really have to say that I enjoyed the Wilkes character. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. as Joshua said, he's kind of a bad guy at first. I did eventually grow to like him. Because they right. did a brilliant job in one episode making us really feel bad that he disappeared or he was killed or whatever yeah. we think has happened. We didn't see a body, so 
I'm not going to rule anything out yet. Okay, what was interesting about it is Peggy Carter, we know her as Toughest Nails. Yeah. You know, she is the, probably the toughest female out there in 1947. And I liked how with she can basically, if you're in danger, girl, there's a danger situation, Peggy can get out of anything. But when she's confronted by gay man having feelings for her, girl attracted to her, gets a little overwhelming for her right now. Mm-hmm. But I think... And I like that. I mean, it makes her more of a complex character. Get human. We can relate to her. You know, she's not so tough that we can't connect or, or that she's not you know, by her as a real human being. And it's interesting because it's kind of like after what happened to Cap, and now what happened after this, it's, she always has this feeling like, deserve this. Like, oh my god, you, I'm getting this? The universe is letting me have someone? It, it's like she's she's a little... I would say scared, but she's she's she gun shy. Lost. Yeah, she feels like she doesn't deserve glove. That every all of her, that every relationship's gonna end a tragedy for her. I like also, that. There's, I like. There's, it. Yeah. Also, there's the whole idea of is that she's still in love with Steve, and it's like, is this betraying Steve? Yeah, but she kissed him. Yeah. Well, he kissed her. Well, yes, but she kissed back. Oh yeah, I think yeah. she's ready. I think she's ready. Yeah. I, I find it so cool that they add that little dynamic to her character. I mean, this girl, there is no looking back or second-guessing walking into a firefight. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a relationship with a man, another, you know, like, oh, who is not Steve? Oh, no, what do I do? Ah! She's hesitant and shy and scared and uh, fumbly. But it and also I, makes us I love, love the it. character for some reason. It yes. gives her vulnerability. Yes. Yeah, not everybody is perfect. And she's showing that when it comes to relationships. And I, I like that I, I like that little quirk about her character. It's really well done. And I loved how we, we saw her breaking boundaries of racism. Because things like yep. that in the episode as well. Yeah. And they went in the head tighter. Because she just wanted to beat the crap out of the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> could make a hobby out of this. <laughs> yeah, I need a hobby. Yeah, I, I like that because I think, I remember fans were upset about the first season and how there wasn't as much diversity. And it's very difficult to have diversity in that era. Yeah. But it shows that, you know, how California was a little bit ahead of its time at, in those days. And I like his backstory and I like how they brought him in and you know he had to fight hard to get to where he is i'm hoping that if he does make a return well he certainly can't work at isodyne anymore so maybe he's part of uh, ssr there is a science component so that's my hope that's my hope i I, I want him back i think he was a great counter to peggy and it's a good balance the thing that worries me, though, is that he tells, Wilkes told Frost, run, and they ran. But she was ahead of him, mm-hmm. and she still was affected. So where is he? Yep. And where's the rest of the dark matter, or the dark force energy, the zero matter? Is it, was she just hit with a shard of it? Did it explode? Is he affected? You know, I I haven't been able to find any hint about what character he might become or if he's just his own character and we don't know what happens to him. Yeah. 
I don't. I I I would like to think that he will be back. But if he is, I'm really glad that in the preview of upcoming episodes, they didn't show him. Mm-hmm. Because I hate it when they give away things like that. Yeah. Well, I think Peggy needs to. Do you want the feelings of losing him for a couple episodes? Or the what it, what what could have been kind of things, and maybe it will make her realize she's she is open to exploring this other side of life. Yeah, and it might be the thing that opens her, finally really pushes her to move on. I still have a theory that of who she does marry, but and I don't think it's Wilkes. No, I don't think it's Wilkes. No, I don't. I definitely don't think it's Susa. No. No. I have my own theory based on the picture of her children that was next to her bed in Captain America Winter Soldier and based on what she says about her husband in the interview uh, she did on the video interview. So I have my own theory about who she marries, but we will have to wait and see. Is that something that may infuriate people? So we're not sharing that. I've already no, I've already shared it with some people, and they're like, "No, it's not going to happen." But if you think about it, it fits all the criteria. But okay, I think she marries Dum Dum Dugan. Interesting. She says that Captain America saved her husband during the war. Well, that was Dum Dum Dugan fits that bill. She has a picture of her children next to her bed, and one of them has hair almost similar color to Dum Dum Dugan. Now, there's no picture of her husband, and we've seen that they get along, and he respects her, and they had fun together. So that's my theory. Do you think Civil War may reveal who her husband is, if that is indeed, God forbid, her that's passed away? Could the coffin in those pictures that have surfaced online? I hope so. Okay. I hope so. I hope they do reveal it at some point in time, whether it's in whether it's Agent Carter by giving a hint at a relationship, or if it's in Captain America, where you know they, we might see a family photo, we might see you know his name on a coffin or or a plaque or something like that. I don't know. It'll be very interesting. The funeral for Peggy Carter is going to be very difficult, I think, for all of us. Yeah, but. We have to pay attention to what her name is on the cough, on the on the spell, because if she was married, it should be her married name. But if she was progressive, then maybe maybe not, because I don't remember for sure. But in Ant Man, at the beginning, of the show, they still called her Carter. I so think Peggy would continue to go by the name she was known by. Yeah. So the, the it's like when actresses get married, Carter. they don't change their name. Right. right. It may still, it may not reveal that. It may not. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is if the tombstone happens to be next to Dum Dum Dugans. Okay. Or they have like one of those shared plaques. Yeah. Things. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting. I don't know if we'll ever know. Well, I would think Peggy Carter would be buried at Garlington Cemetery, wouldn't you? Or in England. Or in England. Do they have like an Arlington Cemetery equivalent in Arlington? I have no idea. Coming in, in, in London, I mean, or England? They, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, you just think she would want to go home, but she did most of her work for the United States, so it's okay, possible. That's the other thing. I want to hear more about her growing up in childhood. She mentioned a brother. Cause, you know, I kind of want to hear about some of that stuff. We got that kind of... I was so happy she mentioned a brother. 
so happy. Yeah. Because it helps with another theory and another problem that I had with Peggy Carter. When when Peggy Carter, when Agent Carter was first coming out, and it was right around Captain America, the first Avenger. And then we saw Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and we got to meet Sharon Carter, right? Yeah. I had an issue with it, because in comic books, it goes back and forth about who Sharon Carter is, whether it's her daughter or a granddaughter, or it actually never says granddaughter. It just says daughter or niece. Yes. And it, having a brother, you know, Sharon Carter might possibly be Peggy Carter's granddaughter. Might. If right. that means that that's only if Peggy Carter's son took the name Carter. That's the only way, you know, or Sharon Carter changed her name to Carter in honor of her grandmother. I don't know. Right. But if Peggy has a brother, then that means Sharon Carter could be the daughter of or the granddaughter of Peggy Carter's brother. Right. So still a family thing. But, yeah, I'm glad that they mentioned that because that helps, in my mind, with the family tree. Yeah. What I thought you were going to mention was, was Peggy's toughness, that that came from having a brother, which, I mean, that, that would make sense. I've always assumed that Peggy Carter's toughness came from the fact that she was in London during the war and the horror she witnessed when Clunder was attacked and then maybe some things she knew about I don't know if she would be old enough to be around during World War One would make her feel like she she had to be tough Yeah, that forced her to become who she, uh-huh. and I want to hear that story I want to know why did Peggy become this tough as nails female hero Right. what, what spawned that where did it come from and how is she so worldly and open-minded for the time period of 1947. I think what really helped open her eyes was coming into contact with the SSR during that time and uh, some of the experiments, but also Captain America himself. Yes. And coming across the bazaar when looking at some behind-the-scenes stuff, that scene where Steve Rogers comes out of the machine and he's taller and buffer and all that kind of stuff. It was the first time that Haley Atwell had seen Chris Evans all buffed up. And it says that she actually did not believe that it was really all him, that maybe there was a suit. So that moment where she reaches out hesitantly and touches his chest, that was not scripted. That was her reaching out to see, is that a real, really him or is that a suit? (laughs) And so he's, she, you know, she's touching his chest and Chris Evans even says, he's like, really? So we're going to go that route now, huh? Because <laughs> that was unscripted. She just couldn't believe that that was him. Wow, that's, that's interesting. And because I think Peggy was worldly before giving me a cap. I think it maybe brought it out more so. But mm-hmm. it seems like her attraction towards people because about the man they are inside mm-hmm. than it is to the idea of that be the big gallant hero. With Steve, I feel like she already was in love with him or was developing feelings for him when he before he got buffed up. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely the man aside that that shows good upbringing and it makes me right. makes me like want to thank her parents and her family, you know, for doing it the right way. Yeah. Cuz that was that that's good upbringing. That's a good outlook on life. That 
I like that. I want to know. Like, you're right. I like you. I want to know more about her backstory and her life. And the fact that she said that she learned that move, she pulled on Jarvis in his onesie. Um, <laughs> she said she learned from her brother, which makes me think that her brother may have been older than her. Yeah. So where is he now? What What's up with her family now? Will we, since she's mentioned him, will we see him? That's a good question. The other question is, coming with some of her family killed in the war. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Is that why she went into it so gung-ho, is to stop a war that was killing families yep. like her own? Yeah, and why has she not mentioned family before? We, we've never seen her try to contact anybody or to tell anybody what's going on. You She's know? opening up in a lot of ways. Before, she had to keep herself so reserved because of her, how she was being treated. And it didn't, you know, her situation didn't lend itself to, I'm going to be open about all these things. It was, she had to keep everything very close to the vest. So I think now she's feeling more confident. I think now that she's feeling safer with where she is, Mm -hmm. that she's able to to open up and share. And she feels like, you know, she was so closed off because of what happened to Steve. And now she's kind of coming out of that funk, that, that period of mourning. Mm-hmm. The other question you have to know, how much did she tell Steve? Right. How much privately did she open up to him about? Yeah, because all we saw were the highlights of their time together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hope Agent Carter spills more beans about her family and her past, because it's really fascinating. It is. It's, it's a fascinating character. Good mm-hmm. As I said, you know, they were talking about how Jack Kirby and, and Joseph did so much to bring Captain America to life. Come on, mm-hmm. and again, they they gave the idea or they planted the seed of a character known. Name is Peggy Carter, but what's made it what it is today, what's made it so popular, is Haley Atwell. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Haley Atwell is just an amazing actress. Just amazing. Yes, she is. Well, she realizes that she's an icon that's inspiring people now. Could have wholeheartedly embraced it. Kind of wants to do this role to inspire people, and I think that's amazing. I mean, that's yeah. what she should be doing what she's doing. Yeah. To really make an impact with her work. It's very interesting how much, you know, not, I don't know if this is the right way of saying it, she is the female version of Chris Evans because Chris Evans is doing the same, or Chris Evans is the male version of Haley Atwell. Um, Chris and Haley both have said, that they will continue to do these characters as long as people want them to and as long as Marvel will let them. Chris Evans says that he will continue playing Captain America as long as that he can. Yeah, that's a, that's a change from a few years ago when he was, like, ready to retire. Yeah. You know, they're very famously, he was like, yeah, once my contract with Marvel is, is up, then I'm just going to take a break for a while. And now it's like, I want to play Captain America forever. Yeah, and I, I wonder if the change in his mind came with the the idea that, you know, because that was right after the first Captain America. And I think almost right after Avengers. It was after Avengers. Yeah. But then Captain America went for a soldier. And when he saw that his character can have depth as well, not just be a guy who runs around with a shield and fights things, but actually has depth and story and stuff like that. Um, it was right around that time that he started really sinking himself into it and getting a lot of praise and stuff. And I think I, 
I think he embraced he embraced Cap more than he yeah. had before. I think he saw the impact Captain America had his his optimism and the, the idea he you know Chris Evans has always been amazing with like his fans and with kids and he does things without the press knowing he goes to hospitals and he yeah. takes the shield and kids just respond to him because they respond to the goodness of Captain America. He is not a pessimistic superhero. He right, is an, he, he is pure optimism in most. That's how Chris Evans is. thinks he's helping our country. Yeah. You know, he's being a patriot. Because what he's yeah. doing, he should be I mean, completely commended I mean, for doing that. And Haley is doing the exact same thing. I don't want to take away from her. Anything. No, no, no. She is. The, she the is. fans embracing Chris Evans, I think he was very nervous about taking the role. I think he didn't think he could live up to the mantle. Well, especially since he was like Human Torch. Right. Because I think the way the fans embraced him, got accepted mm-hmm. him, and even forgot about that Fantastic Four movie where some people criticize him for, he was able to accept this role. Because the superhero franchises, because that whole concept was a little concerted before Avengers came out. Because then mm-hmm. Avengers exploded. Because now, you know, Chris Evans is like, yeah, I can do this because it means that much to people. I don't think they realized, any of these actors at one point realized how much it means to the fans and how much it means to people and how inspirational what they're doing gets for people like kids in good children's hospitals. I mean, Captain America coming to see what the shoot. His character in particular, you know, Steve Rogers, having Steve Rogers visit kids in the hospital, Steve Rogers was a sickly person. Yeah. Steve Rogers became Captain America. To have Captain America show up in your hospital room when you're sick show makes you inspired and daydream about maybe the doctors will find a cure and I'll become cap- like Captain America too. So even his backstory alone helps that out. And I think that Haley Atwell has the same opportunity to to be able to speak to other women or people who have lost family or a loved one and moved on to say, yeah, in a world where women are not treated equal, which sadly our world still has that issue, you can be tough as nails. You can make it in this world and you can be strong and independent and you don't need a man in your life for that. Or if you do, it is not, he is not your world. He is a part of your world. And she, she also is an inspiration, and I've seen that online, that women are looking to her in that regard. And I, I think that's a great thing, too. Well, the, I know my value has become kind of a, a call mm-hmm. for, for some of us and like, who've been you know, treated badly because we're women or because of how we look or our weight or anything like that. And she's really an inspiration. I mean, at least... You know, for me, you know, that a snarky, feisty... You're snarky? <clears throat> no. <laughs> I'm not sarcastic or snarky at all, man. No. People have this weird idea about me. But I think it gives us a little more freedom to be ourselves. Those of us who've, oh, yeah. had, to, who've had to hide. It's like when being a nerd suddenly became okay. I mean, we were all in hiding for how long? Yeah. Like well, with even our, the with, writers themselves of these characters weren't hiding about what they do. They were embarrassed. Yeah. So it's like 
now we're finally out in the open and we could be women could be feisty and strong and not have to rely on a man to do everything for us except drive the car. Could give you companionship, not feel lonely. Well that too, but I mean not to like make us feel better to give us oh look, a man is giving me an opportunity. It's like no, I make my own opportunities. Yeah. And I could drive my own car, but I, I choose not to. There you go. Okay. Go with that go do we drive this episode. Come to a conclusion. Oh, Not you're bad as bread. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. He's <laughs> having a bad input on me. But anyway, let's go into come our Twitter thoughts on the episode. Okay, we're glad to have some of you guys back and communicating with us. It's good to hear yeah. from you all. Not a lot because of first episode and but we my friend Jackie at Jack the Thrasher at Jack the Thrasher her comments, uh well at least Peggy got to dance. Yeah. And she did. True. She got her dance. Uh, our friend Chris Bork, Christopher Bork, Anna was my favorite addition to this season. At Lottie Everbeek, one was just wonderful as Jay's opposite. It was an opening to season two. Peggy and Jarvis are as entertaining as ever. Anna was a sweetheart, and I love the deep sci-fi tone. And let's see what else. Next page. At Kid Colson. So everyone who wants to dance with Peggy or dances with Peggy dies. Thank you, Gavin. Oh. <laughs> Wow, he had to just go and do that. Ah, oh, the darkness of a child. Oh, and harsh. in response to Anna at Rasperus 8, she is definitely quite a woman. Yeah. I tweeted to uh, Lottie Everbeek 1 last night, thank welcoming her to the Marvel family and telling her that we would be discussing her a lot today. So. Yay, got another friend of the show. Maybe we'll get another friend. Yay! Yay! In, uh, <laughs> I'm sad to say that we don't have a monstrous more uh, email from Morgan today. Does she no. have an Agent Carter watcher? I don't know. I haven't heard from her. So. Well, I hope she's doing all right. I think she's. I, I I saw her online, but I don't know if she's watching. But I will try to contact her and see what's going on. Covering Agent Carter. All right. Well, I think that uh, sums up the episode. So we'll go into the closing and. Nikki, why don't you share with everybody what we're doing next week since we're going to be having episodes of the show, I think, till May. Because a few hiatus in between. Yes, so next week we will be discussing episode two of Agent Carter, which is called uh, Better Angels. Right. Mm. So that's that's exciting to look forward to. Yes. This show has come back full throttle and I can't wait for more. So uh, without further ado, let's roll that pre-recorded closing. Get at our Marvelverse podcast website, located at marvelverse.acrosstheairways.com or on acrosstheairways.com You can check out our other podcast shows including Across the Airwaves, which provides entertainment news, along with weekly reviews got our favorite shows not related to superheroes, Gore Game of Thrones, such as Sleepy Hollow, Castle, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural, Person of Interest, Doctor Who, New Girl, Modern Family, The Big Bang Theory, got more to come to the future, because the TV lineup is always changing. You can also check out the DC Nation podcast, located at its own website, dcnation.acrosstheairwaves.com Got in the iTunes store, which reviews the TV shows Gotham, The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, got Legends of Tomorrow. In addition to these programs, check out Thronescast. Our podcast hosted by Nico, Nikki, and myself, dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones. 
which is available at the website thronescast.acrosstheairways.com. Go on iTunes. Could, you could send us your thoughts Got each Game of Thrones episode by emailing us at thronescast.gmail.com, tweeting us at thronescast, again, that's at thronescast, leaving us a voicemail at 773-809-3363, again, that's 773-809-3363, or by posting on our Facebook page, located at facebook.com slash thronescast. Also, you can listen to Across the Airways, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, a Game of Thrones podcast, and the Marvelverse podcast, got the Mix Internet radio station, code by Jack Stifle, Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, download the Podcast Box app, and if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace, and the Windows Marketplace has a regular Windows phone app. Because for how you can contact us, to give your own insight on the TV shows we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just to say you like what we're doing, email us at acrosstheairwaves.gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at Across the Airwaves. Again, there's no the on there. It's just Across the Airwaves. Join our circle on Google+. Plus. Or leave us a voicemail at 773- Gate zero nine three three six three. Again, that's seven seven three. Gate zero nine three three six three. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies, got television events, such as Avengers: Age of Ultron, Batman vs Superman, got Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic Cons. It will be a great source to find videos coming out of Comic-Con 2015 this summer. All right. So once again, for our other Across the Airwaves podcast hosts, Nico Reifstech, Wu Kim, Michael J. Petty, Ken Steve Nostro, Guy Dan Schmidt. I'm Nikki Amy. I'm Josh McCray. And until next week, we will catch you in the Marvelverse next Saturday. I told you there is a conspiracy afoot. Peggy takes on her most lethal enemy. And what are your instincts telling you that things aren't what they seem? She is dangerous. And to crack this case, she's gonna need some new gadgets. What's your name, darling? A closet full of disguises. You can leave us. And the hell. Who the hell are you? I'm just the distraction. Of a few friends. This is a bad plan. It's a horrible plan. It's a solid plan. Stop at nothing. She's disobeying your direct orders. Watch your back. I won't lose. Yes, you will. And brace yourself. A title way is coming, Agent Carter. I'm in this with you till the end. For one hell of a blockbuster ending. Not everyone's cut out for Hollywood. New Marvel's Agent Carter. Next Tuesday, 9, 8 central on ABC.
All right, so what you just heard was the audio for next week's exciting trip back to L.A. with Cajun Carter. And we are going to get talking about what we think is going to happen next week with the episode Better Angels after Nikki reads the summary. Better Angels. Peggy's search for the truth about Zero Matter puts her on a collision course with her superiors as Howard Stark barnstorms in on Marvel's Agent Carter. And back next week, Haley Atwell, James Darcy, Chief Souza, Whitney Frost, Reggie Austin is Jason Wilkes. Interesting. Yes. So he is coming back. Uh, guest starring, uh, coming back, or Calvin Chadwick. Dominic Cooper is Howard Stark. Yay. Kurtwood Smith is back as Vernon Masters. And a bunch of other people, including <laughs> someone described as Gorgeous Blonde. Better Angels was written by Jose Molina and directed by David Platt. Nice. I'm looking forward to Howard. Mm-hmm. Whitney Frost's de-evolution into a villain. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Howard come back, but I, I, I'm really looking more forward because every time Peggy kicks someone's ass, I'm just so happy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to watch her get in a fight. She does it very well. She's... And you know what I like? It's not very ladylike you know sometimes it's a lot of leg work and and i don't know there's there's a lot of times in movies and tv shows there's a difference in the style of fighting between a man and a woman and peggy no she you know she hauls back and punches just as hard she's all about wanting to do that right hook beat somebody down and she doesn't hold back and i like i like the fact that it's just like that she's a brawler she really yeah, she is. Because yeah. she's a heck of a fighter to fight in heels and a skirt. I'm yeah. sorry, that's skill. She probably learned how to fight from her brother, too. Well, or she's, it's her own thing. Let's not just attribute everything to her brother. No, She learned I her own that... style scrapping with her brother. Right, but, I mean, she, of course she was trained in the military as well. Yeah. And she learned her own, but, you know, that's what I'm saying. She learned how to scrap and be a brawler probably from her from her brother. Or bar fights. Or bar fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can actually see that. Yeah. Peggy Carter, the high school year. Growing <laughs> college years. You're going to bar fights and stuff. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Hard drinking Peggy Carter. <laughs> Getting into bar now, fights. Now, what is Wilkes' name? Jason? Jason. Yeah. You know he exists in Marvel Comics, right? I thought the name sounded familiar, but I haven't had a chance to... I'm looking it up now. Of course... It's old old school, and of course, it looks like he was a white guy, but he was a scientist. According uh-huh. to this, according to this, Jay, it's really brief. Jason Wilkes, also known as Professor Jason Wilkes, was a scientist who was contacted by a communist agent who offers him a million dollars for research into an invisibility ray. The man's greed makes him accept treason, and he succeeds. But he finds that after testing the ray upon himself, because back in those days, why not test everything on yourself? He has become intangible as well and has no way of turning on the switch of the antidote ray. So he is stuck, intangible and invisible. Yep, he is yeah. stuck. So they never reverse it or figure out how to... Apparently not. That's, that's the only history that they have. He's stuck as a ghost. Apparently you can hear him. I think you can hear him, okay. but you can't see him, and you can't feel him. So that's what they're going to do with him. 
Is that what they're going to do? Are they going to turn Jason Wilt into an invisible, intangible ghost who will constantly be with Peggy? Oh, I hope not. That could get tiring. Well, not not constantly. I mean, I'm going to guess that by the end of the season, he either dies or they fix it or Dark Force energy manages to hurt, can right. can affect him. Well, maybe she could like, see him in a mirror or something. There's that. It would be very interesting if it fluctuates. Yeah. If he's yeah. caught in a rift kind of thing. But he's there and maybe helps out at certain times. You know, I don't know. The fact that he's going to be in the next episode makes you wonder. Unless it's happen. a flashback or... Use the force, Peggy. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, use the dark force, Peggy. Yeah. There you go. Come back to the light. You could be like showing up as like an Obi-Wan Kenobi ghost. There you go. There you go. Or Professor know. Proton. Yeah, or Professor Proton. And by the way, in my article, I wrote about, for you Doctor Who fans, <laughs> I actually uh, a little thing about Doctor Who and how with all this rift in time, breaking of all this timey-wimey stuff. Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Right. It'd, it'd be very interesting if Doctor Who did make an appearance, especially since a keen-eye observer noticed... That in Captain America, Age of, oh no, excuse me, Avengers Age Voltron, there is a brief, very brief, you know, blink and you miss it scene where you can see the TARDIS. Oh. I even, I even, I even found the screenshot and put it uh, in my article. But when, when, I think it's when Black Widow is racing down on her on the motorcycle with Captain America's shield in front of him, in front of her. Yeah. She's racing down the street. Somebody freeze framed it and put a red box around it. Sure enough, on the cor- on the sidewalk is a blue police box. Oh my! Well, Josh, le- Josh is a Doctor Who fan. So. Wouldn't that be fun? If, you know, maybe the SSR could enlist Doctor Who's help in stitching back together all this timey wimey <laughs> stuff. Peggy Carter's an agent of Torchwood, right? <laughs> well, well, Stan Lee was talking about. A Marvel Star Wars crossover. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah. That's teaming up with the Ninja Turtles. So why not, it's right? Comic book, yeah. Why not? Yeah. There you go. Yep. Well, if Batman teams up with Ninja Turtles, if he meets Casey, is he going to say, "Aren't you Green Arrow?" <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And if if Star Wars teams up with the Avengers, what do you think Nick Fury's reaction is going to be when he meets Mace Windu? Mace Windu's dead. Well, now he is, but what we don't know which era of Star Wars they're going to cross over. And if Chris Evans, if uh, Steve Rogers ever does watch Star Wars, like it says on his list of things to do, what is his reaction to seeing Nick Fury as a Jedi? Mm-hmm. Right? Where's sure. the eye patch? Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe, maybe Windu broke his fall, but he lost an eye. Maybe that's okay. how... Yeah, that's true. Can I just want yeah. to see Tony Stark have a conversation with Yoda? Oh my gosh, that would be annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be interesting. Can you imagine an Iron Man Kylo Ren battle? Good. Iron Man would just kick his ass. That's true. I don't know, with the Force? I mean, no, Iron Kylo Man would Ren kick his stopped, ass. Kylo, yeah, Kylo Ren stopped an energy bolt in midair. Mm-hmm. Which was really awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's yeah. Interesting thought. If you want to 
know more about ideas for a Star Wars Marvel crossover, watch Parks and Recreation. It's <laughs> a dependent on monologue because it's pretty funny. Yeah. I forget what the name of the episode is, but uh, yeah, check that out. And uh, I think now that we're digressing, we're going to let you guys go this week. But uh, thanks for coming back to join us again. And here's to some more fun with Kaylee Edwell playing Agent Carter. See you guys. Bye, guys. Bye. We now return to our regularly scheduled program.